y'all. Thanks for joining me today. We have another episode of Coffee and Chaturangas. Won't be doing many Chaturangas today, but probably a lot of coffee talk. Um, if you're just now joining us, you're welcome to go back to the first episode where it tells a little bit about of why I'm here and what we can do together, how we can grow together. So today I wanted to talk to you all about the not necessarily the fall season, even though it's my favorite season ever, um, but the transition of seasons. And a lot of times in transition, we think leaves changing, which is what happens. Um, there's a fresh new skin that's about everything. And for me, a lot of transition work is understanding my boundaries, understanding the difference between saying yes and saying no. I used to be that kind of person that <clears throat> wished for 25 hours in a day, wished there were eight days a week, because I just didn't feel like I could get everything finished. And you really can't. Um, at the same time, I, ha I didn't really understand that my busyness was, I was putting it upon myself. I was making myself busy. Um, I still do that now, and I'll get to that, yet it's in a different kind of a way. It's not in the way that I used to that was really, really toxic, and it wasn't any type of self-caring or self-loving at all. Um, one of my biggest stressors, I know we kind of have those things we can count on a hand, is finances. Always has been. Even just saying that word just kind of makes me want to throw up and gag. Um, it, it's always been that way. And I have different connotations of what's kind of built me into that and why I have that. And I understand how I approach things a little differently now. It doesn't mean it's easy, but I, I have a better grasp of how I approach it. And when I was little, you know, one of the things my parents taught me is never ever take for granted what you have, never. Whether it's if I handed my mother a stick from outside and thought it was the greatest stick or the greatest rock and I brought it inside, she cared for that as if it was a child because it was something that was given to her from her child. And you know, never take for granted when someone gives you a gift or anything, it doesn't have to be monetary. Yet don't take for granted anything that you can be given as well, monetary. Um, the shelter that you have over your head, the running water that we have, any of that. My parents were in a position where they could give as much as they wanted to, um, whether it was to me, to family, to the state, really beyond the state, um, so many different ways. And I grew up in this one part of my brain thinking, wow, how do I carry on this tradition? That's pretty strong. I mean, that's, I do use the word legendary because I think it is. I still hear stories that how our family did something for someone and nobody really knew about it. Um, mom and dad did that a lot. Didn't even share it with me, didn't share it with public, didn't matter, they just wanted to help other people. And um, I, I put that on pressure on myself. Let me clarify that. No one put that pressure on me that I had to carry this torch. That's not how my family 
runs. But for some reason, that's how my brain ran. Um, and at the other spectrum, I, I knew that what I wanted to do one day wasn't going to equate to the way my parents gave financially. I just knew it. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's just one of those things in me. I, I didn't, I didn't feel it was going to be that way, but I knew it was possible to still give back. Um, my very first job I ever got, I was fresh out of high school, going to UCA, and uh, I was more into fitness. It was really interesting to me. And I knew that my degree, I might go into kinesiology, which I did. And so I thought, I want to go work at a gym. I don't know, I think that'd be fun. So I applied for a job. And uh, I have zero experience. This is my first time at a job. Um, and I got hired. I didn't ask why. I just knew that when I, I felt so proud of myself because I went to the job not telling my parents that I was applying for a job because the last thing they wanted was their little girl to go work. Uh, they very, very much amazing providers, but they felt very proud that they were able to do that. So I felt really proud that I was able to apply for a job and get a job. It felt huge to me. And I worked there, gosh, I don't know, six to eight years, um, long time, and did all kinds of jobs and ended up getting a lot of certifications. I ended up teaching, wasn't really into the sales part. I just liked the communication with people. But I ended up having other jobs along the way while I was there, whether I was a nanny or I worked at, um, in, um, at a clothing store. And I just felt really good about myself. You know, it, it wasn't about the dollar bill that I was seeing that I was making. Yet I knew what I was making. I could save up and pay for more of the school, for more of my college. And uh, I, I just felt so good about myself. And it was, my parents were very proud of me, let me say that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, dad was still on his kick of, I just can't believe you're gonna go work. And that's just the mind frame that somebody's in when you're a provider for someone. Uh, I, I also stumbled upon my first yoga practice whenever I was in college. And I knew at that point that I wanted to own a studio one day, I wanted to become a teacher, didn't know where because I didn't want to compete with my home studio and it just kind of fell into place in about 2009 that I became the third owner of Barefoot Studio. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I grow up my whole life with this name attached to me. And I talk about that on another episode is that I really, really wanted to run from my name uh, because there was a lot of expectation to it. There was a lot of assumptions. There was a lot of negativity. As much positivity as there was, there was still negativity. And most of the negativity came from rumors. And, you know, I'm just going to lay this out on the line. I can't tell you how many times I heard, um, you know, that the yoga studio that I have been owning was my parents. So false, so false. And uh, it was one of those that someone started that studio in 1995. And by the time I got to it in 2009, you know, this road has been paved. 
that they had done for us and all the other yoga studio owners and teachers. And 2009 seems so long ago, but think about how much yoga has grown in Arkansas alone, in Little Rock alone. And, you know, there's just a transition period. It was my time to take it over. I started and did new and fresh and different things. So we went with it. And it felt so good that I was able to do something on my own. I, it sounds late in life, but you know, th that whole experience, the first couple of years really taught me to get a hold of my bank account, to understand numbers because I just didn't understand it. I was never taught it because it was not something that was presented to me. And I don't take any of that for granted. I don't make light of that. I don't make fun of that. That is what I was presented. That was my life journey. Someone else's is completely different. This just happened to be mine. And within that time period, um, the next, I don't know, that was 2009. Dad passed away in 2011. So really in that time period, that's when things started to really kind of go to shit for my family and with their financial situation. And we weren't public about it. We didn't have to be public about it. You don't have to go public about things. Sometimes things are just leaked and it's an interesting story. Um, but we chose not to go public about things. And I'm not gonna air out dirty laundry here or anything like that, but I am going to lay it out on the line that shit happens. It's hap probably whoever's reading or listening to this right now, there is something happening right now. And you know, the last thing you want to do is say it out loud. That's just a part of us being a human being. And it's a, um, you know, my parents had built an amazing structure. And I don't even mean like our house we lived in, but this community that we gave back to and just the whole thing of, you know, what my parents were able to do and give and how you live and once things start going away and you start getting pulled, I mean, it's a, it's a lifestyle change. And it can be very, very, very hard on your pride when you are someone that's a workaholic. My parents weren't handed anything. They worked their asses off for what they have. Huge. I mean, there would be times, I don't know, 20 something days when I didn't see dad because he would live there and have to work and do certain things um, at the office. And there were times, you know, when I didn't see mom for a little bit, it was just change of shifts and things like that. So you work hard for it. And I remember when dad was in the hospital, this was probably a month before he passed. And he, we weren't talking about death or anything. I think he was reading the newspaper maybe. We were just watching TV. It was one of his good days. And he was able to speak over the ventilator which he thought was so funny he could do. But he leaned over to me and he said, you know, I used to not sleep at night because I would worry so much about you. And I knew what he meant. And he said, I am so proud of you. I, I don't worry right now. I don't worry for you because I see what a hard worker you are and the ethic that you have. Um, and you didn't have to have it. And you have it. And that's hard for me, one, that he's saying that to me, but two, it's hard for me to say that out loud to you, to this camera, knowing that it's going to be public, that um, I don't talk about myself like that. 
Am I proud of myself? Yeah, but I just don't go around saying, hey, I've got awesome work ethic and my daddy's proud of me. I just don't do that. Um, I don't think there's any shame in saying that you are either. So that's why I'm saying it is because you should not be shameful for things that you are proud of. About a year or less before he went into the hospital, even more shit was hitting the fan really, really hard. And I remember he came to me one day and said, I need to ask you for help. I knew what that meant. And he had never, ever asked me for help. I was the only one asking for help, needing to get out of a bind somehow. Um, everybody else was. And I remember that day so well. Um, you know, he... It, it tore him apart having to ask his only child for financial help. And it had a little bit in savings and we were able to use that to pay for payroll that week, that week. That's all. Um, it, you know, it's, it really pulls you down emotionally when you are the provider and you can't provide and you know you are working so hard and you think, why, what, what, am, what am I doing wrong? What am I, what, what am I doing? Am I doing too much here, too much there? Not enough here. How do I make this balance? How do I do that? And uh, last fall, 2015 fall, I fell into a really, really, I don't like to use the word good, but it was a really good deep depression. And depression doesn't mean you walk around sad all day, even though that can happen. That doesn't, mean that. Um, my anxiety went through the roof. It kind of felt like I had lost dad all over again. Um, part of it was what kind of trickled into it. Um, and I don't say this to hurt anyone's feelings. That just, it's just the way it was. But um, hearing that last year was going to be the last year of the Christmas lights. And uh, that was like my last connection with him. And I knew one day it was going to happen um, because, you know, all good things come to an end. They just do. It's a circle of life. And um, it's funny what you hear from people about how, um, you know, oh, let me show you what worked for me. You will snap out of it. Things like that. Try this. Try that. And I know people are really trying to help. But I think there's, there's a point when you are... You have to be willing to accept help and you have to have a certain kind of help. So um, I recognized what I was going into because I had been there before when I was in my previous marriage and I recognized the signs. So I reached out to a few people and said, you know, I can't, I can't, I, I need help, but I can't go get help. Um, you know, it always seems like thing, finances are a bind whenever the holidays come around. I don't know what that is. I think I grew up that way too. Um, but, I, you know, I reached out to certain people that I felt that I could trust. And um, I had to sit back and think, okay, what do I need to remove to give space for me? What do I need to do more of that's going to give space for me? Whew, and that's hard to think about yourself because usually when you remove something, it's a sacrifice, it's a compromise, and it's going to affect 
something over here, someone, something. That someone or something is not you. You have to follow what is going to help you. And for me, it was literally, I felt my insanity. Um, what was going to help me stay sane? And back up a few years, uh, we opened a second yoga studio a few years ago. It was open for about a year. Beautiful space, beautiful teachers, beautiful community. It just didn't work. And um, there was a, a recovery period of after we closed that second studio that I needed to help with some supplemental income. So I picked up another job and um, self business for myself. And it was amazing. I have amazing friends from it. The experience was awesome. And I started to realize at the same time last year that I went into this strange, awe, deep depression, PTSD flare up that, you know, I had to let go of something. I had to manage my time way differently because remember we talk about being busy. I would make myself so busy because I knew what the outcome was going to be. It was going to put food on the table plus a little extra. Um, it was going to answer the questions I needed answered. The things that I felt were going to be better in my life is if I kept myself busy, I didn't think about what was really going on deep down in the core level. And I just knew that these certain questions were getting answered. Um, so I had to back off a lot. In a, in a time crunch period, you know, holidays are coming up and we're always thinking so-and-so needs a present, so-and-so needs a present. Plus you got all these bills coming up. Oh shit, it's almost November. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks that way, but it just makes me kind of want to vomit again. <laughs> and that's the way I've always been. And I had to really take the last year and go into this soul searching and I had to not answer other people's questions because the questions were curious for them and I had to answer my own questions. This transition period, because the fall going into winter, there's more darkness in the day. And I mean, that is in the sky and the light. And that can really eat you up. And I had to really consider what was going on in my mind. I had to understand that my nose were solid nose. They weren't maybes. Somebody else took them as a maybe because it was a maybe for them. It wasn't a maybe for me. I'm solid. Those of y'all that really know me, if I make a decision, it's like that. Um, I'm not really iffy about stuff. And that goes for the same ways that I will jump into things. I. I jump on a lot of things because I want to try it. I don't want to miss out. And I see that Riley is starting to do that. Um, she will not go to bed for anything. She doesn't want to miss out on anything. So you got to make the bedtime routine interesting. It is not. I don't want you to think we live in this magical world. Our bedtime routine is not interesting. It's not magical. Um, it's like she turns into a circus act when you try to go to sleep and these sounds and I'm like, you're just delirious. <laughs> but she just wants to be awake and wants to be. And I know who she gets that from. So now my busyness is 
I do not consider myself to be organized, although my mother will tell you I'm the most organized person in my brain. It might not be out here on the outside, but in my brain I am. I think it's because when I used to get home from school, um, I would do my homework first because I figured if I did my homework first, I'd have more time for playtime. And she was like, this is brilliant. I'm so glad you thought of that. And it just helped. So I try and do that. If I can do things first and then give myself playtime, that's, that's what I do. And that's kind of what I've had to restructure in the past year. I had to go back into that mind frame. And you have to get out of the shame, out of the guilt, because a lot of times we'll put words into our mind and say, this person made me feel this way. This situation made me feel this way. While that has some truth to it, we all have a choice to make in that reaction. And it is harder to have a reaction that does not feel natural. Because if something pisses me off and my natural reaction is to, you know, say, fuck, I don't know, whatever, um, put on this mask and say, okay, well, let's approach it this way. Well, at first that feels super duper fake, so fake, and it doesn't feel like me. If I wait a moment before I answer a question and I don't have that immediate reply re-answer and I think on it, I get some clarity. And I gave myself permission to understand that I can't please everybody. Decisions I make for my household, decisions we make as a family for my household, for our household, I can't let it bother me what somebody else thinks. You know, we, we do the best that we can do in any way in our life, any way. And I always find myself going back to yoga, always. Right now, what you can see um, is a little bit of, I now call it my yoga room. I've only called it my yoga room for about four days because it's been the only room in our house that we've lived here a little over a year, has not been touched. All of my shit has been crammed in here, whether it's been yoga, clothes, because this is my closet. Um, instead of having a junk drawer, I had a junk room. I'm pretty sure most families probably have some type of space like that. And it was a part of my anxiety for the past year because I would have this trail of how I got, got to my closet. And my work clothes are my play clothes. They're all my yoga clothes. And I would just have this little set of clothes, but I also have about nine piles over here that I knew were clean, semi-clean I can get away with, dirty as hell, don't touch, and it's just all kinds of stuff. And um, I finally the other day took two days, and I don't mean I took off from work, I took this the time I had within two days, and I cleaned it up. And there's so much stuff I'm excited to give away, shed, just shed that shit away, so much. Um, and I have a little bit more organization. I have space. I'm able to practice yoga in here. I have a wall space if I want to use it for anything. Um, Riley comes in here. She uses our hanging rack for her ballet bar. <laughs> she jumps on the yoga mat. And, you know, I feel like this is a little, this space is very calm to me now. This is why I'm in here. And no matter what you can really see at this angle, I mean, a closet's a closet. There's still just random shit shoved in there. But it's a little more organized. 
and I don't feel like I have to walk a path to get to it, which is what I've had to do the past year. And part of the transitioning is one of the a practice I'd like to lead you through that hopefully will present you a little clarity, even if it's physical clarity, is Nadi Shodhana, which is called, which is translates into alternate nostril breathing. I did wake up this morning with some congestion, which is really random. Um, and I could tell in this morning's practice, when I did this practice, it, my left nostril is what's all jammed up. So if you're going to practice this with me, or if you want to try and replay it and do it later, grab some Kleenex, put it next to you, because you're not really going to know how your body will react until you start getting into it. So find a comfortable seat. It doesn't have to be on the floor. You can be in a chair. And first, just notice how you're sitting. Are you leaning to one side more than the other? How can you balance a little bit more? Is your chest leaning too far forward or too far back? We often compensate for back pain or hip pain when we do that. So do you need something placed under your seat, like a pillow? Maybe some stack of books with a blanket on top of it to give you some elevation. So whatever that may be. And we're gonna rest your hands down. You can turn your palms up or down. And you're gonna take your dominant hand. So for me, it's my right. But take your dominant hand. You've got your two peace fingers. You're gonna place those peace fingers gently between the eyebrows. They're just resting. And then you've got your thumb and your ring finger. Those two fingers are just gonna simply rest on your cheeks. Don't push on your nose, just simply rest on your cheeks. The hand that you're not using, put it somewhere that feels comfortable, not where it's forced to lay there. Roll the shoulders back and down. You can rest your eyes. You don't have to watch me. It might make you kind of cross-eyed if you try to look between the peace fingers. So you're gonna to start to breathe naturally between or with both of your nostrils. You'll breathe in fully, not forced. And when you exhale, You'll breathe out both of the nostrils, letting it take as long as it takes. Now, as you continue to breathe into both nostrils, notice the tension that you might be creating in the hand. If you've never done this before, your hand might not lay lightly on your face. What about your shoulders or your feet? So the next time you press the breath all the way out, at the very end of your exhale, pause for a moment, don't breathe in. And during that moment, close off your left nostril and breathe in right. Take a deep inhale through your nose. At the very top of your inhale, pause, close off right, exhale left. Now keep the left open and at the very end of your exhale, inhale left. You're gonna take much longer inhales, more than likely. So take as long as it takes. And at the very top of that inhale, pause, close it off, exhale right. Soften your shoulders as you exhale. We're gonna take one more round. Inhale through your right side. At the very top of your inhale, you'll pause, close off right, exhale left. At the very end of your exhale, pause, 
but breathe into that nostril one more time. Don't force it. You might be having lots of noise, lots of congestion. If it's too much, you can stop. At the very top of your inhale, hold it. Close off left. Exhale right. Now this time when you exhale right, let that breath completely release. And when you cannot breathe out anymore, pause and relax your hand down. Slowly breathe through both of your nostrils. Slowly exhale through both of your nostrils. Notice if one side feels different than the other. This very simple yet powerful breathing technique can be done as many times throughout the day. I often also do this in the shower when it's kind of hot, there's some steam built up, and especially if you are stopped up. So try that. Maybe even back this up a little bit and rewind some and do it again. You can do more rounds. You can do this up for a couple of minutes if that feels nice. But what I hope, <laughs> it's Loxy. But what I hope today that you can gain from this video is no matter what your stressor is, no matter what type of transition that you feel during any season, you are not alone. There are outlets, there are healthy ways that you can redirect what's going on. Yet, you have to be willing to want to do it because it's an inside job. Nothing on the outside is going to help you get where you need to go. It's only a tool, it's only a guiding point because some things you can't remove in life and just puff the anxiety goes away. That doesn't happen. It is on TV, but we aren't on TV. And so give yourself permission to not be ashamed. Give yourself permission to not be embarrassed. Also give yourself permission to, for a moment, not let those outside voices come in and interfere with the transition that needs to happen for you. You are so strong. You are so empowered with what you have. We often just don't give ourselves the credit because we don't know how to filter it. We don't know how, what outlet to find to help us get to that potential because every single one of us has it. One of my top stressors could be one of your low stressors. It doesn't matter. We are all in this together and we can all relate to one another. So my wish for you today is some grace, is some peace. Whatever you are needing today, that is what I wish for you. That is what I meditate on. That is what I pray on. And I feel that we can do this together. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Love you all. Namaste.